I want to take tonight and next Wednesday night, I want to have a two-part one on the second coming of Christ. I don't know why uh, the Lord laid it on my heart. I've been just thinking about what it would be like if Christ came again, uh, when He comes again, I mean. And uh, I got a book down. I was reading it by Dr. Curtis Hudson. And if you ever got a question on any scriptural thing or doctrinal thing, I recommend looking up under... If you got a, can get a book of Dr. Hudson's on any of the subjects that you're interested in, what he does is make it so clear. He don't try to go over your head. He always makes it as clear uh, that you can understand it. And I love to read behind him and study behind him. But I was just reading some of his comments about it. And then I got in, interested and got to study him and got involved in it. But uh, tonight I just want to read the portion of Scripture to get our minds started thinking about it. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13, very familiar portion of Scripture, I suppose. I use this or read it to so many people, but it fits getting us started tonight. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord should not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we think about the glorious day of thy return, Lord, we think about all the confusion that we have heard about it over the years and all the sermons we've heard about it. And dear Lord, I pray that you let the Holy Spirit make this message very clear to us all as we expect, we look forward to you coming back for us very soon. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A preacher years ago was preaching a sermon series of prophetic sermons. A lady came to him um, when meeting him on the street and said, Oh brother, I really do enjoy those pathetic messages you have been bringing. <laughs> I like that. I read that thing, I broke up laughing because honest to goodness you read behind some of the messages of preachers some of the commentaries of preachers and Bible teachers about the second coming of Christ, and they will get you so confused that you don't even know what is right and wrong if you don't know the Bible. But as we go forward in this, I want you to remember something. The Bible never contradicts itself. If the Bible says something in one place, it will conform to it 
or say the same thing in another place. It's not going to say two different things. And when it comes to the second coming of Christ, if you're not careful, and the Bible does say things, that uh, if you're not careful, if you don't compare Scripture with Scripture, you get confused about it. Now, uh, a Bible-believing preacher preached a great sermon on the second coming of Christ. A modernist preacher come up and said to him, I want you to know that I can't get that out of, that out of the New Testament. The wise old preacher replied, you, can't, you surely can't get it out. It's still there. <laughs> I like that. Amen? Now, we know the second coming of Christ is what I'm saying is taught in the New Testament. Think of this for just a minute. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament, and over 300 references are made to the second coming of Christ. Out of, three, out of 260 chapters, there's 300 references made to the second coming of Christ. Now, no one knows all the details of Jesus' second coming. What we do know, though, that Jesus is coming back. In this little booklet I was reading, this book that Dr. Curtis Hudson wrote, he, he has a sermon on the second coming of Christ, and he puts it in this order. And Dr. Lee Robson said years ago, I was in a seminar to preachers, and he was telling preachers, if you want to help people to remember your sermon, use all the outlines of his scripture with the same first letter words. Or letters in your sermon. And that's what Dr. Curtis Hudson did here. He talks about the promise of his coming. He talks about the person of his coming. He talks about the program of his coming. And then he talks about the preparations of his coming. And he helps us to understand the second coming. And as I begin to get commentaries and gather things together to start this study, First of all, I want to talk about the promises of coming. Paul refers to the second coming of Christ 50 times. Think about that. Notice some of the last words of Christ upon this earth. We're all familiar with them, but uh, turn there with me for just a second to John chapter 14. And, and just think about it now. In this day and time, uh, if somebody's dying, their last words are real important. Of course, all the words of Jesus is important. But notice, if you would, his last, some of his last words in John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and I want to read beginning in verse 10. Acts chapter 1 and verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, 
which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You know, I learned something about heaven. Somebody asked me several years ago, where is heaven? I don't know, but I do know it's up. Amen. Because the Bible says so right here. And, but uh, uh, what I'm trying to get you to see here is Jesus, the Bible talks about how did Jesus ascend back to heaven? Now this same Jesus, how did he leave visibly, bodily, from the Mount of Olives? So we know where he came. Uh, when he comes again, he'll come visibly, we'll see him. He'll come bodily, we'll know him. And we know where he's coming back to, the Mount of Olives. In Acts chapter 1, look at verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, called out, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And if you go to Zechariah 14 and verse 4, it tells us that he's coming back to Mount Olives. Revelation 22 for just a second now. Revelation chapter 22. And let's look at verse 20 and verse 21. He which testifies these things said, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be you all. Amen. Now there's been much controversy about verse 20. When it comes to he said, I, I will surely come quickly. And they said, well, he ain't come yet. It's been over 2,000 years since he said that. And uh, so he must that must be a contradiction of Scripture. No, it's not. What it's talking about is when Jesus does come, it's going to happen quickly. It's going to be like a lining from east to the west, like a twinkling of an eye, the Bible talks about. So it's not talking about a period of time. It's talking about that when He does come, He's coming very quickly. Now, how did Jesus ascend back to heaven? Uh, this same Jesus. How did He leave? Visibly, bodily, from the Mount of Olives. And He will come back visibly, bodily, to the Mount of Olives. Notice the words, Behold, surely I come quickly. So number one, we know the program of His coming. Now secondly, I want to talk to you about the person of His coming. Some want to preach and teach the second coming of Christ happens when a Christian dies. But uh, that's not true because Jesus does not come to us when we die. We go to be with Him. Philippians 1 verse 23 says so. And then... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 says absent body present with the Lord that's us going to him not him coming to us when a Christian dies his soul and spirit leaves his body and goes immediately to be with Christ and the Bible says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord now some want to teach and preach that Jesus come back at salvation Jesus coming into your heart at salvation is not the second coming of Christ because First uh, Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now I want you to watch this. When I got saved, and I want to ask you the same question, when I got saved, when Jesus came to my heart, there was no shout. There was no archangel. There was no trump of God. There was no resurrection from the dead. Now you just think about it. That's just common sense. 
Well, when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit enters his body, not Christ, the Holy Spirit. I was talking to Jehovah's Witness this week, and they're so messed up in the head that they just can't get it. Do you know people just can't understand that God is three persons? They just don't understand it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but one God. And this lady, I, I, what got us started talking about it was, I asked her, I said, uh, are, you, are you going to heaven when you die? Oh, yes. I said, how do you know? Are you saved? She said, well, I am getting saved. I said, you don't getting saved. You either are saved or you're not. And I talked to her a little bit about it. And she said, no, you've got to work and, and get saved along the way. And I said, what are you going to do with... Jesus said, if you get in Christ, you're one of His, and He can't lose any of you. Well, Christ is not Jehovah. Christ is uh, the Son of God. And I said, what are you going to do with 1 John chapter 4, where it says, He that confesses not that Jesus is is God in the flesh is anti-Christ. That means you're anti-Christ then. Oh, no, I'm not, because Jesus is not Jehovah. Yes, He is. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is, who is this person that's coming? Is it Jehovah God? Is it Jesus the God? Or is it the Holy Spirit the God? Let me tell you something. If you don't get that straightened up in your mind, that the only God you'll ever see, and this is what I tried to tell her, you can't kill God. Why, He wouldn't be God if you could kill Him. And they crucified God man, God, on the flesh, on the cross. So Jesus died for our sins on the cross, and the only way that God could die for our sins was that He took upon a body like a man that He might die in our stead for our sins. And so uh, someone said, well, Jesus died for my sins, but it's not Jesus that does the saving, it's Jehovah God. No, it's Jesus Christ. Now watch this then that same Jesus is coming back for us. And listen to this. First Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says, For the Lord Himself should ascend from heaven with a shout. Now listen. Uh, notice, if you would, again, Jesus is now, right now, at this very moment, the Bible says, seated at the right hand of the Father. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Listen, 1 Corinthians 6.19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is a uh, Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Notice now, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Now, if you don't believe that Jehovah God is one in three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then how are you going to believe that Jesus is dying for your sins? And how are you going to believe that the Holy Spirit didn't dwell in your body right now? And how are you going to believe that God the Father is sitting in heaven right now? Now, it can be very hard to understand because we can't comprehend that. Uh, I use an egg a lot of times trying to explain, but I don't explain it. you got the hug, you got the white, and you got the yolk. All three in one. Amen? I use another, and I believe the best illustration you can give of it, is that man is made in the image of God. 
Well, now, what does that mean? That means we've got a body, soul, and spirit. God is, the over God then, is body, soul, and spirit. God the Father is in heaven. I don't understand that, but I know it's true because the Bible says so. Alright? Jesus, the Son, is hanging on the cross, and He's praying to His Father, and this is what bothers Jehovah's Witness so bad. How can Jesus on the earth pray to the Heavenly Father when Jesus is here and God's in heaven, and God on the cross is praying to the Heavenly Father in heaven? How can that be? My little finite mind can't understand that, neither can yours. But it's true. Amen? And the Bible says so. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. Jesus is the person then is coming back for us. So the person at the second coming of Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Simply because Jehovah God is seated on the right hand, is seated in heaven or in heaven right now, and Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting. And the Bible says nobody knows when He's coming back except the Father. But when the Father tells Jesus to come back for us, He's coming. Now get this: the program of His coming, and I want to just hit on this a little bit tonight. The program of His coming is found in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments. Now watch this. That verse says He's coming as a thief. Revelation 1 verse 17. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. Now that's not a contradiction. Now, a lot of people come along and say that's a contradiction. One place he said he's coming as a thief. And, and uh, now, when we think about a thief, we think of somebody breaking into our home and nobody's at home and nobody knows about it. I mean, you know, uh, nobody knows when he's coming. Well, get that in your mind for just a minute. But in Revelation 1 and verse 17, it said, But he coming with clouds and every eye shall see him. Now, this is not a contradiction. The Bible never contradicts itself because it's a word of God and God cannot lie and God is not an author of confusion. And so he, the Bible says it like it is. Now, turn, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 for just a second. I want you to look at verse 18. No. Must be second credit. It is. I told you I can't see. I don't know where it's at. It's first check first Thessalonians chapter thirteen. Oh, first Thessalonians chapter thirteen. Ain't no such chapter. Where did I go? Oh, I know where it's at. Alright. Chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not, even as others which have no hope. Now, when you take these verses, verses 13 through 18, the first phase of his coming is called the rapture of the church. The second phase is called the revelation. Jesus comes first for His own. 
that's the rapture. He later comes back with his own. That's the revelation. Now, I do know this in verse 13 it says, Would I have you to be ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep? Now, some are going to die before Jesus comes back. I've always wanted to be alive when he comes, but I might not be. You might not be, but he could come tonight and we'd all be alive. Amen? When he comes. But if I'm not, the Bible makes it very plain in verse 13 that our bodies are going to go to sleep. And it's going to wait in the earth. You can burn it, you can throw it in a sea, you can put it in a casket, you can do whatever you want to with it, but it ain't going away. You're not going to get rid of it. Because the same God that reached down in the dust of the earth made man could call it back where it's from. And the book of Ezekiel talks about these bones coming upon these bones, these, these uh, sinew coming upon these sinew, and we're going to walk and talk alive again. That's the resurrection. Now watch this. I would not have you be ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep. I don't worry about my loved ones that's in Christ, which is in the grave. Because that's nothing but a body. That's all it is, waiting for the coming Lord. Now we know where their spirit and soul is at that very moment. It's with the Lord in there. Because First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says so. Absent body, present with the Lord. So we know where the soul and spirit is right now. But their bodies is here. Well, Jesus said, I come to save body, soul, and spirit. Not just your soul and your uh, uh, a spirit, but He come to save you, body, soul, and spirit. So this body, and that's the reason that I personally, and I can't find anything that says you can't cremate somebody in the Bible, but personally, my own conviction is, I believe in the sanctity of the body. This body belongs to God. It's not mine. He loaned it to me for a while to live in down here. Amen? Now, when you think about that for just a minute, uh, when I die, then it, it lays down, it goes to sleep, waiting for the coming of the Lord. Uh, so, when somebody dies, we're not to go berserk, go out of our mind like the heathen do. We're to realize what's going on. But then it goes on to say, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring it with Him. Wait a minute. Then there's going to be some alive waiting for those that's in the ground to come up. Amen? So, if Jesus was to come right now, back for me tonight and for you tonight, what about our daddies and mothers and aunts and uncles and, and babies and so on that's died and their bodies are asleep? Well, I'm going to leave here. And they coming up, we're going to be the Lord in the air. Now, is that all they are to the second coming of Christ? No, because we're part of the first resurrection, the Bible said. Blessed is He is part of the first resurrection. Amen? And so after that, then, at the judgment seat of Christ that's going on in heaven, at that time, the tribulation period is going on down here on this earth at that same time, and God's going to judge this earth, and a thousand-year millennial reign is going to take place, and then after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on this earth, then He's coming back with His saints. And you know, I know my daddy and mom and loved ones are in heaven, because you can't come back if you ain't there. Amen? And He says, I'm going to bring them back with me when I come. 
And that's the glory of being saved, and that's what we're not to worry about. So, and, and I, want to, I want to continue this, and I can show it to you plainly from the Scriptures, that when it talks about two phases, about one coming as a thief in the night, and the other come, and ever I shall see him, when he comes back, uh, in the book of Matthew, it talks about two being in the same bed, and Jesus come back, one is taken, the other is slept, left. Wait a minute. That one don't know the other's left. Till he gets up next morning and find out they're gone. Amen? And the old Antichrist is going to uh, say the Martians come back and got us or something. And they took him out of here because he's a deceiver. And he's going to make people believe a lie. But that's the rapture of the church. So everyone that believes in Christ at that part goes to be the Lord at the rapture. Now, when he comes back uh, the, for, uh, to bring his arm, he's coming in judgment of all those that's left on this earth of unbelievers. They're going to be resurrected. That's the second resurrection coming out of the ground, uh, the unbelievers, and they will be judged at the great white throne judgment. Now, where are we at at that time behind the Lord Jesus Christ, at great throne of believers, at the judgment seat? The Bible says, no, you're not. You judge angels. We'll be there with the Lord Jesus Christ at that judgment. So, get it straight in your mind, this, this thought for just a minute. Whatever you think about the rapture or the second coming of Christ, remember something. Don't get it confused. God knows what He's talking about. Get it in your mind and then get it in order. Everything God believes in order. And He does everything in His time. So don't try to push it all together. What a lot of people want to do is take everything, throw it in one basket, and that's it. No. God does everything in His own time. It's like I tell people, and I'll try to close with this, that people come along, and I was talking to one guy several years ago, and he said, uh, that he was reading me some scripture in the Bible, and I said, that's not to the church. That's to the Jewish nation. Those promises were made to the Jewish nation. Oh, no. Those promises were made to the church also. No, it's not. What you're trying to do then is put law into grace. And you can't do it. They're under law. We're under grace. Amen? And if you don't get that straightened out, that God deals with the Jew nation and He deals with the church, and He deals with them in Christ Jesus, but He promises the Jewish nation the earth. He didn't promise me and you the earth. He promised me you in heaven. Amen? We're heavenly people. The Jews are earthly people. And you can't get those two confused. So don't throw them all in the same basket. So get it in order. God's got things in order just like He wants them. And once you understand that, everything else comes clear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless we do pray the reading and studying of thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.